You are listening to Talking About Tracy Chapman, the Tracy Chapman fan podcast. Today we are joined by Bay Area music photographer Jay Blakesburg. He's one of America's most respected and talented music and cultural photographers. He's photographed the likes of the Rolling Stones, Prince, Bowie and Joni Mitchell. And we've got him here today. Jay, how are you doing? I'm good, Stefan. Nice to have me on your show. I appreciate it. Don't really know where to start with your legacy because you've got so much to dig into. Why don't we start with telling us a bit about your journey into photography and how you ended up in San Francisco? Sure. Um, I was uh, raised in New Jersey on the East Coast here in the United States, and I uh, picked up a camera at about age 16, which would be about 45 years ago or so, and just started taking pictures of my friends and people that were hanging out and eventually started taking pictures at concerts because that's what we did back in the 1970s when we were teenagers. We wanted to go see live concerts, live rock and roll. And so really got into it just as a fan, as a kid, someone who wanted to take photographs and make eight by 10 black and white prints in the darkroom of my mother's basement and hang them on my bedroom wall. And uh, in, in the mid 80s, I moved to the West Coast. I went to college in Washington State in the Pacific right. Northwest. And then uh, in about 85, I moved to the Bay Area uh, for my last year of college, sort of doing internships, working with a production company that did corporate video and some corporate commercial photography. And uh, by 1986, I was essentially working on my own as a starving artist um, yeah. You know, lived in a house with six roommates. Uh, rent was about $135 a month. Uh, to put that in perspective, if, if you were to live in that same house today with the same six roommates, each person would probably be paying 1000 to $1,500 a month wow. um, versus $135 back then. And I just was shooting everything that I could music related here in the Bay Area that had easy access, right? It still... It wasn't quite as intense and corporate the way that it is today in terms of um, needing permission to photograph things. So there were a lot of free concerts, a lot of like the radio stations would and the record companies did a lot of stuff together to promote their artists, maybe free shows inside record stores or free right. shows in public spaces in San Francisco. Um, and of course, the radio stations all wanted to do promo events with artists um, in recording studios, in, you know, public, like I said, public spaces. Union Square in San Francisco, I saw the Flaming Lips and the band James. And I was in Union Square in San Francisco photographing the band Timbuk3 on the day that the big giant earthquake hit San Francisco in 1989. And that was for a radio station here in town called KFOG. They were a commercial classic rock station. Um, but played some newer music that was sort of in that vein of classic rock and and or what they call AAA radio here in here in the United States, um, adult adult radio, and um, so I was just you know, and then there were a lot of nightclubs where you could just go and bring your camera, and I was shooting bands like the Butthole Surfers or even the Red Hot Chili Peppers or Soul Asylum, uh, bands that you didn't need a photo pass and you could just go to clubs and bring your camera. And, um, and that's kind of how I started my career in 1987. I did my first, uh, shoot for Rolling Stone magazine. You too did a free concert in downtown San Francisco, uh, right in the heart of downtown at Justin Herman Plaza. Uh, yeah. and, uh, they announced it on the radio and I was walking out the door to just go shoot it on my own. And the phone rang and it was the photo editor from Rolling Stone magazine, a woman named Jody Peckman. 
And she, I was on her radar because I'd been sending her stuff. And, uh, but they had never used me. I'd never been published in the magazine. And she called me up and said, Hey, I need you to go cover the free U2 concert in downtown San Francisco. And that was on 11, 11, 87. So, so another month from now, a month yeah. and a week, give or take will be my, uh, 87. That'll be my 35th anniversary of my first Rolling Stone magazine assignment. Um, and I went on okay. to shoot 300 assignments for Rolling Stone magazine over the next 30 years. And most of those were for Jody Peckman, the same photo editor. So that was pretty much how I got my start. Um, I believe the first time I ever photographed Tracy Chapman, I believe was at an in concert against AIDS show. They did at Oakland stadium, which I think she played at. I can't remember if she was just a guest backstage, but um, she was managed at the time by the same people who managed Neil Young. She got introduced to Jerry Garcia and Bob Weir of the Grateful Dead by Frank Geronda, who's Neil Young's current manager. And um, I took a picture of her. She must have played at that show, but I can't. She did. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think the Grateful Dead were the headliners. Yes. And then Tracy was was one below. So I think it was a uh, probably about ten or eleven um, co- um, track set list from Tracy. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I think she was a little bit further down on the on the on the set list than than the headliners. But yeah, I think that's the first time I encountered. But I, I mean, that was eighty nine. Didn't she play the Amnesty International tour also, or am I remembering yes. that incorrectly? Yeah. Um, so that that might have been that might have been. 1988 um that i photographed uh her on stage at amnesty with peter gabriel joan baez played at that one and i can't remember who else um it was, was um bruce springsteen there yes and springsteen was at that one too yes you're correct it was no you too but it was definitely springsteen anyway so yeah so that amnesty was first in 88 that I shot Tracy for the first time and then on stage, but backstage was the Grateful Dead one where she met Jerry Garcia and Bob Weir. And I have a photograph of them like shaking hands or something like that at that show. Um, uh, You know, but then it was, it was, it was a while. It was quite a while before I, I sort of became, you know, one-on-one face-to-face with Tracy. There were some other shows. She played a bridge school benefit with Neil Young in early 90s. That might have been 90 or 91, I want to say. Um, so I have some pictures of her on stage from there. Um, but I believe that my only real one-on-one with her was when she did the B.B. King Thrill is Gone video. I was going to ask before we get on to the B.B. King video, with a music performance on stage of a live performance, how do you approach capturing the emotional essence of a live performance in photographs? Sure. So when I, when I photograph um, any band on stage, I am certainly doing my best to um, capture not just a simple pedestrian moment of somebody singing at a microphone. So I'm waiting for a more, um, you know, a more intense, maybe they're screaming into the microphone or they're backing off the microphone and they're smiling or, you know, some sort of connection. I mean, with an artist like Tracy, who might be solo acoustic, it's a little bit um, more difficult. I mean, she's a very sublime performer. Um, You know, she's not somebody that's out there jumping around on stage as we know. Um, 
Uh, but she's very emotive and uh, certainly can get that emotion across. I mean, I've shot her also with a band a few times on stage. But for me, just in general, I'm looking to capture lightning in a bottle when I'm shooting a live show versus just capturing like a, a simple moment of somebody just standing there on stage drumming a microphone. Also, you know, in those early years when I was shooting Tracy in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, I was typically still one of those people that was, you know, shoot the first three songs and you're out, right? I I had not sort of transcended that situation where I was allowed to shoot a whole show or shoot from on stage and backstage and things like that. I mean, then, you know, the in concert against AIDS thing, I was backstage, I got that shot. But in general, you know, you're shooting somebody like Tracy and and I don't know if you know about that, but that's a a thing with photography is there's, you know, you can shoot the first three songs and then you got to go. And so you're at the mercy of what happens in those first three songs versus being able to shoot an entire set or more than three songs. If there's a guest that comes out, you know, like there was a, uh, a time where Tracy was playing the bridge school benefit years after the first time. And she came out and sang with Dave Matthews on a song called the maker which was a song written by Daniel Lanois and, um, and Dave was covering it with Tracy on vocals and it was chilling. It was just one of those incredible moments. I mean, for me, that was the highlight of that year's bridge school benefit was that one song with Tracy and Dave. And I recently saw Daniel Lanois for the first time in many years. And I told him that story. I said, Dave Matthews and Tracy, you know, did this cover of the maker and it was just, you know, bone chilling. Um, And so, you know, even just having the two of them on stage or just trying to capture them together on stage. Cause it's a historical moment that might never happen again. Yeah. Right. They yeah. both happen to be playing at the same benefit. Um, they don't really tour together. I don't know if they're friends or I'm sure they're acquaintances, but um, so historically it's, you know, an important moment right then and there to capture that, but you're also trying to wait for that peak moment of the maker to capture some emotion in, in, in their faces, in their body language, um, things like that. Okay. Yeah, that, that's, that's great. So it's all about, it's all about waiting for the right moment to, to occur in front of you really. Yeah. When you're shooting them on stage, you're definitely waiting for that right moment as opposed to when you're doing a portrait of somebody and you're directing them how to sit, where to stand, how you want to light it. You know, you're, you're being a little bit more creative in that situation as opposed to being a historical documentarian when they're on stage, but also trying to come back with something that's artistic and engaging and unique. Right. So you mentioned that you went on to shoot the BB King um, video, the thread is gone, um, which is legendary, you know, BB King blues uh, icon that was in 1998. So that reflects a significant shift in, your relationship with Tracy Chapman, at least from a on the stage live performance to a to a music video, how did that come about? Was that through BB King's people, or was that through Tracy's people? Uh, it was actually through BB King's record company, um, which I believe was some branch of Universal Music at the time. And uh, yeah, the the record the art director the art department hired me to do production stills essentially, and um, you know it was a really fun day because. Uh, if you haven't watched the video in a long time, go back and check it out. But it's basically the story of a, a young man who comes to a really elegant, beautiful hotel in Oakland, California, where they shot it on his wedding night. And they get married there and they're dancing and they have young actors playing 
um, you know, the bride and the groom and all these beautiful people. And they're all dressed like it's the 1940s, I believe. Uh, Period wardrobe, uh, period furniture. Uh, You know, it's great when you have set builders like that that are out there. Um, uh, you know, building those sets and, and, and staging that whole thing. Um, it's amazing. Right. And uh, um, so they were basically, there's a whole bunch of shots of Tracy and BB in the front lobby of this beautiful hotel with beautiful light coming into the front, big glass windows of the hotel. I believe the bride and groom walk by them and they're p- playing. And then eventually they're playing in the, like the ballroom where the party's happening and the bride and groom are dancing and all their friends are dancing around them. And BB and Tracy are sort of standing in the middle of it all playing the thrill is gone. And they're laughing and interacting with each other. And, and then, uh, and then uh, the storyline is that the, the groom comes back to that same hotel 50 years later, his wife had died. And, um, uh, or maybe I, I believe that's what I'm inferring from it, that she had died and he's going back to the sort of remember that moment, but also maybe take his own life, maybe end his life. Like his, his life is now gone. The thrill is now gone in his life because his love of his life of 50 years is no longer with them. And at the end, I believe he lays down on the hotel bed um, and maybe they're inferring that, you know, he's just going to go to sleep forever. Or maybe he's just wow. like, um, you know, sort of reconciling his current situation, but it's a reminiscing, a reminiscent video of sort of this man's marriage at this hotel. And then sort of the end of his life um, with BB and, and Tracy sort of providing the soundtrack to that whole life experience. Super cool video. Go check it out. I know it's on YouTube very easily, very easily accessible. So highly recommend going to watch it. We're going to have a look at that. How was that um, process for you? Um, and what was the dynamic between the two? So again, when you're shooting stills on a video set, you're basically required to be a fly on the wall. Yeah. Right. You're not, you're not supposed to sort of set things up. And in this particular situation, I didn't, you know, also when you're on a, on a, on a video set, there is a lot of downtime, right? There's a lot of time between takes. So um, I, I guess I don't think I sent you any of these photos from that shoot. I'll send you some so you can get a get an idea. But there's just a lot of hanging around while they're resetting cameras or or resetting lighting. And like yeah. I have a, re- a lot of really beautiful candid moments. So 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 Tracy, um, you may or may not know this is a very very introverted, shy individual. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so, but she knows that if she's on a video set and they're directing her to do things and she's in her wardrobe and she's got her makeup and there's a still photographer there documenting it. And it's a BB King video and it's his record company. She's probably not going to be the person to say, you know, no, don't take that picture. No, you know, give me some space or anything like that. And, and even in the other situations that I've been in, you know, I shot the photos for the let it rain album. And so I I spent an entire day in the recording studio with her and so that was for her, but she still sort of just let me have free reign. And, um, uh, you know, as long as I didn't get in the way. Right. And so, uh, for the BB, going back to the BB King thing, I have a lot of really, really beautiful, um, candid portraits of her because the lighting was beautiful. Um, she's interacting with BB. They were laughing together. They were joking. They were having fun. 
Um, like all of those things were happening and it comes across in some of the solo candid portraits I did of her as well as some of the duo candid portraits, right? So the, mm-hmm. the shots that are like in the lobby, for instance, the light is all coming through the front window, right? They're trying to mimic sunlight coming through and Tracy's facing the front window and BB's facing Tracy. So BB's mostly in shadow and she's really lit beautifully by this, you know, fake window light, which is a giant, you know, 10 K, um, you know, movie light coming through the window through a diffusion scrim of some sort. She's just lit stunningly with, you know, essentially window light and BB's sort of looking at her, um, away from the window. And so his face is in shadow, except for the side, his side where he's facing the window, but you know, they're really beautiful. And then, you know, there's pictures of Tracy where she picked up BB's guitar, his Lucille famous guitar, and she's Uh noodling around on it and she's smiling and laughing and, and, uh, you know, they're all being very, very, very playful. So it's just like one of those things. And then of course there's shots of them where, you know, they're looking at the director and the director is saying, you know, do this, look this way, you know, sing in that direction, more intensity. And so there's pictures of the two of them sitting there, you know, facing in my direction, but they're obviously just looking at the director who's probably standing right next to me and be focused on what he's doing, but it's also sort of a telling image. Um, And because it's just all playback, you know, you can, back then we had film cameras with shutters that made noise, but we could still shoot and it didn't matter because they weren't recording any sound, right? BB's wearing this beautiful jacket over this, you know, a tuxedo. It's like a, not like a tuxedo jacket. It's a more, it's got a pattern on it. And Tracy's wearing this beautiful dress that she looks amazing in with this um, uh, leather jacket and stockings and, and cool shoes. Their look is somewhere between modern and 1940s. And all the extras are just dressed in 1940s wedding wear. So beautiful fedoras and hats and suits, you know, slim fitting 1940s suits. And, you know, all the extras were just these beautiful, beautiful people. I mean, it was just a super fun thing to do. That sounds great. I've got a question for you. Um, Over lockdown, I took to painting stills of artists. I just chose some really nice looking photos and painted the equivalent amateur painting but i think this might be one of yours can you see it yeah uh yeah that's from the shoot that we were just talking about the bb king shoot that is one of the candidates from there for sure so uh-huh. um yes thank you for doing that uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll send you an invoice for royalties <laughs> <laughs> i didn't sell it it's on my wall <laughs> I, I, i'm joking i'm joking but yeah that's it looks look beautiful i send it to me so i can really see it for good instead of on your phone on the on the zoom screen here. But uh, yeah, that's one of those from that shot. I'll send you some of the photos. If I don't know if you post stuff, you know, on your blogs and things like that, but I'll send you some of these photos from these shoots that we're talking about. So you can share share them with your listeners and on social media and stuff like that. So, you know, so, so, um, you know, real quick, uh, you know, Tracy lives here in the Bay area. Um, I haven't seen Tracy in a really long time, uh, but we have, we had a, a couple of mutual friends. So there's a guy named Joe Gore, who oh, yeah. is uh, her guitar player or has been over the years in and out. He also plays with PJ Harvey. And um, uh, I just ran into Joe very, very recently in the supermarket. And uh, we were talking about, you know, another mutual friend of ours who was an art director. So Joe was also a writer journalist and wrote for guitar player magazine back in yeah. the day. And I shot a lot of features for guitar player. 
And um, the art director, a guitar player, was a guy named Rich Lead. Sadly, he died very young, just five years ago or so, um, and uh, very suddenly. But um, Rich and Tracy had also become friends, I think, through Joe Gore and through the magazine. And Rich used to have these really big, epic birthday parties every year for himself and four or so. I think there were four other people that were friends of his that all had around the same birthdays. And Tracy used to come to those birthday parties. And so I would see her at these, you know, these social situations um, uh, where, you know, she was hanging out with a bunch of people just at a fun birthday party. I think, I think there were two years that she came. One, one of the parties was at his house and one of them, they moved it to like a restaurant because the crowd got too big with all the birthday people. But, Mm -hmm. um, but Tracy is still, like I said, she's so shy. Like she would see me and she knows who I am. You know, now I haven't seen her in, I don't know how many years it's been quite a while since I've seen her. But back then when I'd see her regularly, you know, she would say hi to me. She knew who I was, but she's hard to engage in conversation. She's a very private person and I respect that. And she's Tracy Chapman. Like you don't want to, you don't want to be fawning over her. You don't want to be, you know, forcing any kind of situation. You're just trying to, you know, um, uh, give her her space that she clearly wants because that's what her personality is. Um, but it was kind of fun to see her out and about in that situation and not in like a, you know, a music situation or a, you know, a backstage situation or anything right. like that. So um, yeah. I don't have any pictures of her in that situation because I don't even think I brought my camera to those birthday parties. No, um, that, that comes through very loudly um, with, um, you know, most people we speak to, it, it, she's very, very private and um and in recent years, she's um, she's been very vocal about the fact that she shied away from the public eye since she's not promoting anything or she's not releasing anything. So that stands up with <laughs> with what we know, and it's it's so respectable. I mean, I'm a big fan of Annie Lennox too, and she says that fame is it's not what they're doing it for. It's for the it's for the artistry almost, and the the fame is just something you have to manage to promote stuff, I guess. Yeah. And then uh, is it the Luke Combs cover that's out right now that's blowing up the world? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We talked about that in the last episode. So, so, yeah, I was talking when I saw Joe Gore recently and we brought that up and he said, yeah, it's just, you know, again, it's sort of brought Tracy into the, you know, for someone who hasn't toured since before the pandemic and has sort of been laying very low and and hasn't really released anything in a while or isn't really touring. It sort of put her back into the spotlight in this weird, you know, way that yeah, yeah. nobody would have ever expected, which is just amazing and phenomenal and, and, and just uh, so cool that that's, you know, that's happening right now for her. It's great. She's up for a country music award and there's rumors that they might um, nominate Luke for a Grammy, which would mean that she got a Grammy for songwriting again next year, potentially. So, right. so that, would be, that would be amazing. And also like, maybe she'll get up and do a duet with them, you know, and get on, on, on TV. It'd be a, It'd be incredible, right? But given so, what we've given what we've just said uh, about her her private life and and how tight she keeps um, her her decision making in her career, I, I'm not too sure that'll happen. But I would love it to happen. Yeah, no, I agree uh, with you. But I would also love it to happen. I think it would be amazing. So, um, but uh, yeah, she's 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 a really unique, special person, and and she's you know incredible, incredibly brilliant, obviously. And she's also featured uh, featured prominently um, in one of the two hundred photos at your new exhibition, um, which is Retro Blakesburg. 
Correct. Yeah, I currently have an exhibit up at the um, Contemporary Jewish Museum in San Francisco. Uh, it'll be up until into next year, into 2024. So if you're visiting San Francisco, it's open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's a big museum. And I've got 215 prints in this exhibit. And um, there is one Tracy Chapman portrait in there from the B.B. King video that we just talked about. And uh, there's actually also a portrait of Joe, uh, not a portrait, a photograph of Joe Gore, who's actually in a live photograph with P.J. Harvey, not with Tracy. The, let's talk about the Let It Rain session a little bit. Oh, um, yeah. Um, so, you know, the Let It Rain session, uh, when did that come out? Um, 2002. Okay. So, yeah. So I shot those on June 13th, 2002 is when I shot those. And that band that she had for that uh, shoot was Joe Gore on guitar. What's the drummer's name? Warnaker? Um, Joey? Joey? Joey Warnaker. Warnaker. Yeah, Joey Warnaker. Um, they recorded it up at the plant studio. Um, you know, like right now I'm looking at like a, like a, a little production sheet that says plant recording studios, client, Electra records, producer, John Parrish, artist, Tracy Chapman, engineer, Paul Duglay, 24 track analog record. Like this is, you know, studio B. Um, let's see here. June 13th, 2002, it says it. And it's really just a bunch of candid photos that I took of her recording. The uh, Here's a picture of Joey. Here's one of Joe Gore. Um, you know, tr- a lot of shots of Tracy just in the control room at the mix board, oh, listening, nice. listening to playback. Um, she's got a cool acoustic steel guitar, got some shots of her, like in a little isolation booth, um, you know, laying down some tracks, I'm guessing, uh, you know, walking around the studio, lots of gear, lots of microphones, um, looking at a panoramic photo of her in the studio with all the gear spread out and tie dye baffles and you know, all this kind of cool stuff. There's a couple of really beautiful photographs of her at the soundboard and she's just like listening intently and they're beautiful black and white, grainy, soft focus pictures of her, like in that moment, um, you know, just listening to the playback of, and I guess deciding whether they need more overdubs or more different takes, or I'm not really sure what, but, uh, and also recently I found some video that I shot at this uh, particular um, day, uh, there's a woman who was doing a documentary on the plant studios. And I just stumbled upon this video that I had taken with a little high eight video camera from back in the day and, uh, transferred it for her and, and, uh, you know, gave it to her to see if she wanted to use it in her documentary. But, uh, so there's some video of that day floating around also that I shot that I think is also very dark and grainy and moody oh, and, and whatnot, but it exists. If yeah, send me the details of that documentary if it ever sees the light of day. I'd love to yeah, see that footage. I will. I didn't shoot the front cover. I don't know who shot the front cover of that. Maybe is it, is that a Matt Mahurin also? I can't remember. Um, don't but, think uh, so. Um, but I yeah, I don't think so. Actually, now that you mention it, yeah, it's not Matt. Um, huge fan of Matt and love listening to your podcast with him. Yeah, they just had me there, and I think I, if I remember correctly, and I haven't looked at it in a long time, but I think. There's just like one photo from that whole shoot inside the package uh, in in the CD booklet. There could be more, but I just, for some reason, I'm remembering it just being one single photo in there uh, from inside the studio. But again, you know, these are just historical photos that exist and, and, uh, you know, document a time and a place. I mean, it's just unbelievable to, what did we say that was? 2002? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, that's 21 years ago. Like where did 21 years just go to? Um, I know. But a super fun day, you know, just, it's just, 
it's great to be around artists like Tracy who are just so creative and brilliant and soft-spoken and, and, and uh, you know, when they're in their element, creating their art and just getting to be a fly on the wall. So, you know, in this recording studio, again, that was my job hired by the record company um, uh, to be a fly on the wall. Right. You know, same thing as the, the video shoot, but with the video shoot, they're not recording audio. So I could pretty much do what I want, shoot as much as I want. Whereas when they were recording, I couldn't be shooting. Right. Because you'd hear the shutter going off. So, you know, all of my shots are them, like I said, in the, in the control room or when they're rehearsing a song before they might be rolling tape or, you know, getting a drum sound or getting a guitar tone or something yeah. like that. So I'm just sort of capturing, you know, those kinds of vibes. And I was also just trying to capture sort of the flavor of the day, like shooting that production sheet of paper, you know, a close up of Tracy's hand on the, on the control board, you know, with a slider, an audio slider, uh, adjusting a level, you know, just trying to capture moments like that that sort of help tell the story of them in the studio as opposed to you know going there and saying okay you guys turn around and smile for me like that's not the assignment that's not what i was looking for and that's not what i got there's none of that like I, you know and I, it's actually interesting I, now that i think about it like it's surprising that i didn't at some point ask tracy to do a photograph of her the band and the producer all together like at the mix board I'm surprised the record company didn't ask me to do that. But I, but my guess is because I got hired by the art department, not the PR department, the art department saying, no, we need art. We don't yeah. need, we don't need publicity photos. Right. But if the PR department was involved, they probably would have been like, make sure you get a picture of the band with Tracy and the producer that we can send out to billboard or Polestar or whatever the trade magazine of the day was that right. would cover that kind of stuff and, and write about it. But, uh, for whatever reason, I guess they just probably weren't really talking and uh, or communicating. It was maybe too early in the process. PR probably didn't even know the recording sessions were happening yet, you know? So, right. um, you know, that's why there probably isn't a photo like that that exists from that session. And it's all on film. And there's probably, I don't know, maybe there's 10 rolls of film. Let's see if we can figure that out by, by roll numbers here, looking at it. Well, there's at least seven. There's roll five. Wow. Roll nine. So roll nine might be the last roll. So it looks like I shot nine rolls of film, you know, 36 shots on a roll. So, you know, about 330 pictures, something like that, 300 and 300 plus pictures that I took that day. And I was probably there for, you know, the funny thing is I was probably there for six or eight hours, um, four hours. I don't remember, you know, but if I was doing that today and shooting it digitally, I would have shot 3000 photos. Right. Are they digitized now? Well, just the ones that I edited and liked. So I probably have, you know, I probably have 20 or 30. Actually, it looks like I have, you know, about 30, 35 images digitized from that day, um, you know, that we scanned. So there's definitely, definitely, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going back and scanning a lot of my film from the film days. So we're building out the film archive, um, yeah. you know, as the technology is changing and, and film scanners are becoming more scarce at least good ones. So I'm trying to go back through all my archives and get sort of caught up and rescan things. So actually a lot of this Tracy Chapman stuff from that session, I just recently rescanned uh, and the BB King stuff because when I ran into Joe Gore in the supermarket, I was like, yeah. Oh yeah, there's a couple of really great shots of you from the session. And uh, then I went back and looked at it and all I had was a close up of Joe's hands on his guitar so I decided I should go back in and, and find a good shot of him so I could send it to him. So I 
went back in and re-edited everything and re-scanned all the good shots from from that day. Um, I love that. Thank you so much for taking me through all of that today. Uh, it's been really insightful. All right. Well, thanks, Stefan. I appreciate your time and um, enjoy your day and uh, let's stay in touch. Yeah, um, it was great chatting to you. Thanks again for your time. If anybody wants to see my work, just go to blakesburg.com, B-L-A-K-E-S-B-E-R-G.com.